Five years after Hurricane Katrina, the horrific memories of disaster and devastation remain, but the healthcare system has created a legacy of resilience for the city's safety net and a potential national model beyond the primary care medical home. You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Karen DeSalvo. Dr. DeSalvo is a professor of medicine at the Tulane School of Medicine and has joint appointments in the School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine, as well as the Departments of Health Systems Management and Epidemiology. She is currently the Section Chief of General Internal Medicine and Geriatrics and holds the C. Thorpe Ray Chair, Endowed Chair in Internal Medicine, and is Vice Dean Community Affairs and Health Policy at Tulane. She has authored a number of articles and has been quoted widely on primary care and public health issues, having been the founder and co-director for the Center for Health Equality Research. We're so happy to have her join us from her offices at Tulane University in New Orleans. Dr. Karen DeSalvo, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you so much for having me on. We're happy that you're still in New Orleans, Tulane. I mean, a lot of people focus on the hype and the devastation and so forth. But you're going to tell us a little bit about the recovery and what you're doing at Tulane because the whole notion in healthcare system reform, we talk about the medical home and so forth, but you guys are not only bringing people back, but you're developing something new if you could tell our listeners about this. The transformation of our healthcare system since Hurricane Katrina five years ago has been remarkable. It's been a great journey that includes many stakeholders, many people who have participated, and I think that is an important part of our story, which I'll get back to. I'll tell you that we went from having a healthcare system that was very hospital-based, the care for our uninsured, low-income folks was taking place principally in emergency rooms or at the public hospital downtown, so it was a very centralized system. And after the storm shut that hospital down, it created an opportunity for our community to rethink and redo healthcare. And what we did is just that. We have now built a distributed network of medical homes in the greater New Orleans region that is operated by 25 organizations who work cooperatively to deliver care at almost 90 healthcare sites. And we serve about one-fifth of the New Orleans population in a given year. So compared to five years ago when we had maybe a handful of community health sites, but they weren't even very active or robust. We now have 20% of the New Orleans population getting their care in one of these neighborhood-based medical homes. And can you give our, our listeners an idea of what goes into these medical homes and who some of these organizations are? Because I think a lot of people don't understand, well, medical home, what does that mean? And the physician might say, well, how am I going to get paid? And I'm da, 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 da. What I've read about with your program, it's different than that. It is. And what we had the luxury of doing, if you could say that, is building everything from the ground up. And we're very reliant on philanthropy and then some large grant money from the federal government that was given to us in a global budget. So our clinics have been funded, the the growth of this program, not through fee-for-service, where when someone comes in, we drop a bill, but rather we have a prospective budget. And so we've been able to then build teams and pay salary to our staff and our physicians and pay market rates so that they get to go to work every day and think about the panel of patients that they're responsible for, so the neighborhood, if you will, and and the folks in that area that we can identify in the electronic medical record. 
rather than worrying about how many visits that I do, how many can I squeeze in in an hour. And what that develops then is this real team-based notion so that the doctor, when they're seeing a patient who has a social service need or a mental health need or needs help with their landlord, you know, to, in order to get their the mold mitigated in their apartment, we have all of those team members on site. So we have legal aid, we have social work, we have mental health professionals. They're all part of that medical home team. And the physician's not there by themselves trying to do it all at once. And what that means then is the docs love it. I have more doctors that want to come work in our medical homes than I can accommodate based on funding and based on space. And the residents in our training program who do their clinic there, we have a waiting list of the residents who prefer to go there as opposed to our VA or hospital-based clinics because they get to work in this medical home environment. It's team-based. It's everyone working at the top of their license to care for our population. And is it such that the physicians, it sounds like, can go in and focus on health care rather than the other baggage, if you will, of the patient? I don't mean that in a negative term. No, but yeah. We know that there are social determinants of health and that there are mental health issues, but the doctor's not the only one having to deal with it. They have help in doing that. And have you noticed any measures in the last five years where it has shown to be working? And if you can give our listeners a little idea also, you know, how you started this. I mean, I'm sure it didn't start right off the bat. Kind of. No, it did. Well, well, you know, I've worked in this community for 20 years and knew before the storm that we needed to build more primary care because that's better for health outcomes and better for cost. Getting there is the same problem the whole country is having is sort of, you know, how do you shift the paradigm and how do you pay for it? And we had some, from in our tragedy, we had some opportunity for it. So very soon after the storm, as early as the beginning of October 05, we began the policy planning, laying the blueprint for how we would get there. What are the loan repayment programs we would need? How would we define quality? How would we define, you know, what good primary care was for this community? But it started, the seeds of these clinics were planted literally on the street when there was no water power or sewer in town, and we set up shop to do urgent care for the people that were either still here and had not evacuated or who were coming back or the first responders. So many, many of these medical home sites were first aid stations right after Katrina and settled in and became neighborhood-based clinics. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Karen DeSalvo. She is a professor of medicine at the Tulane School of Medicine, and we're talking about how the healthcare community came back after Katrina and a program they developed, a system, if you will, from the ground up that is getting patients' care, medical homes, and as Dr. DeSalvo is talking about, they're getting better care. And Dr. DeSalvo, have you done any measures to show that you know that things are better than they were before? Yes. We've had some external evaluations that tell us that more patients are using the system and that their experience is better than the average American. The Commonwealth Fund did a external random survey of, of the patients that are using the system and compared it to Americans. So the quality of care that they report getting is better. They have less indebtedness from care. They have better access to care and get more of their preventive care measures. We know that we're doing it more affordably. In fact, the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, is part of some funding received from the feds at our request, has come down and done three different evaluations of the use of the money and, first of all, make sure that it was being spent appropriately and that we were doing it in an affordable way. It turns out it's about $400 per person per year for comprehensive primary care. 
That is not a lot. It is not a lot. <laughs> you can do quite a bit when you're working in teams and you're able to use group visits, et cetera. And these people are, like I said, when you ask them, they're telling you their care is good. So we know the quality is good. We know their experience is good. And we know that it's cost-effective and affordable for them as well. Now, obviously, what brought this on was a disaster of huge proportion. Is this something that could be replicated in other areas, not only after a disaster, but just generally? We think so. We hope so. Uh, The Commonwealth Fund believes that. The Kaiser Family Foundation believes that. There are a growing number of others as well. And it's one of the reasons I led with the payment piece. Sometimes people think that's the most boring piece, but the exciting thing that we have learned about growing team-based medical homes in community is that when you can pay primary care on this kind of global budget and hold them accountable, of course, for caring for that population of patients, you actually do change the behavior of the practice. So you find that there is a lot more emphasis on quality. You use registries to keep track of diabetics. You do a lot more outreach and partnering with community and local schools because you're being held accountable not just for the number of visits. In fact, that's not even it at all. It's for the care your patients are getting, their experience, et cetera. When we get down to the nuts and bolts of why it's worked here so well, and it turns out, I think, to be because of the payment. And what's happening in Louisiana right now is that the state government Medicaid program is taking the lessons we have learned from this New Orleans experiment and helping shape its new Medicaid program in the state. And what I hope is that we also get a chance to do that federally as we're looking at better ways to deliver primary care in medical homes across the country. And I would think when you're talking about $400 per person per year, unfortunately, given the state of the economy and state budgets and federal budgets, I would think that that would be at least something that the state of Louisiana was excited to look at. Oh, yeah. Everybody's looking for a way to bend the cost curve. And we've managed to do that without really trying because we, you know, again, didn't have to lower costs. We just started from the ground up and had a chance to change behavior and get people linked into primary care so they're not using emergency rooms as much. All things considered, it's just so value-added. It makes great sense to try to expand it statewide. Do the statistics show that there is less emergency room usage? There is data that says that there has been less emergency room visits for... You guys probably don't have as many emergency rooms as you (laughs) used to down there. We don't. And, you know, we don't have as many hospitals in the New Orleans area as we did before the storm, nor do we have as many beds. And so, you know, they're something that we don't want to fill up too fast. But we had too many before the storm. And so one of our goals is to build primary care and prevention so people don't, you know, end up having to visit the ER, get hospitalized. We are seeing a difference. We have seen a flattening of the admissions to the emergency room in the hospital for uninsured patients in particular. That's what we've been tracking because that's who we target in these clinics. And that is flattening against the rising population of New Orleans. So, indeed, on a percentage basis, it's going down. Again, it's just because they have a place to go. We're open evenings, weekends. They have 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week access to a physician, not just to a call line. The patients, if they're having questions, have a place to go besides the ER. In a hospital setting, it seems that the issue is staffing and that you have to have so many people. In this model, it would seem that you're not necessarily using as many people, but that you're using them more effectively. I think that's well said. From a staffing standpoint, when you compare what we do to national norms, it is actually pretty comparable to the way a VA staffing is. It's about a two and a half staff per physician compared to most practices, which is about four and a half. And I think one of the big differences is there's less billing staff. 
we have electronic medical records, et cetera. So we have not many medical record needs, but you do pick up a need for staff that can do information technology, quality work for our quality improvement programs. And then we have added team members that are not traditional, like community health workers or community outreach coordinators. And so all things considered, I think over time, it's going to balance out. It does create jobs. It's just different kinds of jobs. As we go forward of thinking about how more people have a medical home in this city and how we pay for it, we're just going to have to be really thoughtful about who's working there and making certain that everyone's getting a chance to do what they do best. I like to say working at the top of their license. But the teams are different. They look different than they do in other regular office practices. Having said that, though, do you think that there are lessons that could be learned in the private sector? Because I know that, you know, with private clinics that operate, you know, they're talking about we don't have the money to do this and we need the infrastructure. But based on what you're telling me, you tell it so simply that it seems like this could translate to the private sector as well. I do believe it can. One of the nuances here is that take two lanes clinics, for example, we have eight. Six of them are NCQA-recognized patient-centered medical homes, and no one of them is exactly alike. And the team at each site is different. And the reason the teams are different is because the patients we serve are different. So the clinic we sit, we have in New Orleans East, which serves a, a Vietnamese population that's a higher income, has a very strong social infrastructure and a strong community organization. We don't have social work on staff, but what I do have is a lot of language access. I have translators. So I need different kinds of personnel out there than I have at the clinic we have in Treme, where the patients have many more social needs. So I have legal aid and social work on staff. So in an office practice where, depending on the population you serve, you may not need any translators or social workers, but you at least need to know where you can find one or have access. So it will vary. I think the, the core of it is that they're reaching out to patients if they don't come in, right, so you're not waiting for them to show up on your doorstep and thinking about quality and using data to manage your population as opposed to, again, just thinking about that person when they're in front of you. It's really what all doctors want to do. It's just that right now we're not paid to do that. We're paid really to be more reactive than proactive. Well, with that, I would like to thank Dr. Karen DeSalvo, who's been our guest. She's a professor of medicine at the Tulane School of Medicine and very involved in the comeback of this community from Hurricane Katrina and a good news story with the healthcare system they're developing to get primary medical care and better health care to the residents of New Orleans. My name is Bruce Japson. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com, and I'd like to thank you today for listening. 